we're in a series, this is week three, on the subject of righteousness. We've been talking about a lot of things. We looked at God's original plan. We looked at creation, how that God created man in his image and in his likeness. And the first thing he did is he gave him dominion, sovereign authority in this earth realm to rule and to govern as he governs in heaven. He told man, I want you to govern on this earth. Now man was not God, he was his child. He was made in his image. He's not equal with God, but he's his child. God made you and I as close to him as he possibly could. He took something of himself, spirit. He's a spirit, and he breathed, and he made our spirit man. And he wants you to have dominion in your life. Adam turned around and gave all that authority and dominion in the earth to Satan when he yielded and, and, and violated God's word, which is always life, and brought spiritual death into this earth realm. And see, when that happened, man was, man was dead and separated from God and couldn't, there was no remedy. No remedy within himself. You and I were destined to be born on this earth, live under the tyranny of Satan, the blindness, the selfishness, the self-centeredness, operate in spiritual death for a short time on this earth, and then die and be separated from God forever. Go to a place, it's called hell. It was not made for man. It was made for the devil and his angels that rebelled in heaven against God. Man goes there because he identifies himself with Satan when he chooses to disobey God. So we were born spiritually dead. And then now, but God had a plan. He had a plan. God, you know, God never takes the easy way out, right? He, you know, he, he just, he had a plan, but it took the death of his son. He had to send Jesus. Jesus, who's the creator of all things, had to lay aside his godly attributes. The Bible says he took upon himself flesh and he was born as a man. And he literally was the innocent sin sacrifice. He lived his whole life. He was tempted in all ways exactly like you and I are, yet he was without sin. And so he went to the cross and he was crucified. The Bible says in Galatians chapter 3 and verse 13 that Christ, the anointed one and his anointing, redeemed you and I out of the curse of the law. The curse of the law includes, if you study it out, spiritual death, poverty and lack, sickness and disease. He redeemed us. Colossians says that when you receive Christ, you are transferred out of the delegated uh, influence of darkness, the kingdom of darkness, and you are put into the kingdom of God's dear Son. You are now in Christ you know you're in Christ, the Bible says, because his spirit lives in you. His spirit in you, is it, it literally is prompting you to cry out to not the almighty God, but to your dad, Abba, Father. It, it tells you that you're accepted in the beloved. Your spirit that's born again now witnesses that I am a child of God. Right? So... So now we've been taken out of that. He took us out of that. And see, when you're, as a Christian, I'm no longer, I no longer am spiritually dead. 
as we looked at last week, we looked at God's plan of redemption and we went into 2 Corinthians 5. How that Jesus, how that he bore our sin, he was made to be sin so that we would be made the very righteousness of God. In the church, we preach sin the same way for an unbeliever as we do a believer. And so that's why we have a bunch of believers that think they are what they do. And Satan is able to eat your lunch. But as a born-again believer, the book of Romans literally clearly tells us how it works. Paul said, when I sin, it's no longer I, the spirit man that I am that's sinning. But it's the sin nature that's still in my flesh. So when, it, when you sin, when I sin, it's, it's not, it doesn't change our nature because your nature can't be changed. You're born again. The Bible says your spirit can't sin. Now, even saying that, I could feel it. People are like, whoa, what? It's, all, it's 300 years of religion that we've been taught. So when I preach and talk about sin to you, I'm talking about a sinful behavior that literally only, it happened. Now, you've got to take responsibility for it because you can't say, well, you know, it's not my fault. No, no, it actually is your fault that you're doing the behavior. And what happens, though, is because you're not presenting your body a living sacrifice, you're not throwing that body on the altar, telling it, this is what we're going to do. We're not going to do what you feel, what you're, what you're wanting me to feel like doing right now. I'm not going to say what I feel. I'm governed by God's word. I present my body a living sacrifice to God, holy and acceptable to him. And how do I do that? I, I renew my mind. My life is transformed. In other words, who I am on the inside, the spirit that I am on the inside, is brought out into my day-to-day -day life so that you see it in my lifestyle. Why? As I, I'm transformed through renewing my mind with this word. See, if I don't renovate my thinking, because when you get born again, all things are made new. What that means, all things are made new on the inside. Your spirit man is changed. It's alive to God. That's why if you ever do a sinful or an unrighteous behavior, the Holy Spirit will never convict you of that. He never has to. Your own spirit will go, what are you doing? And you'll feel that, you'll feel that inner turmoil because I'm not doing, every time you don't walk in love, it's like you know. But what do we do? If we push this down, we can harden our heart. We can callous ourselves. Thank God for the Holy Spirit. He's always on the inside of us. He wants to bear witness with your spirit that you are a child of God. That's what he does. When you don't walk in love, when you don't obey the word, when you are having a lifestyle action that's not in line with the word of God, he's not jumping on you, beating you in the face, saying, you dirty dog. No, that's the enemy that's doing that. And that's your own unrenewed mind that's doing that. He's down on the inside of you going, you're a child of God. You don't have to walk this way. You don't have to be bound by this. You don't have to operate on this level. I have Zoe life for you, a new level. 
So this is, see, what happens to a Christian when he, when he shows outwardly a sinful or an unrighteous behavior, your spirit man, because you have not put God's word first, and you're not meditating in his word day and night, and your eyes are not on Jesus, what happens now is your unrenewed mind will allow the sin nature in your flesh to operate. And all of a sudden, something will happen, or a desire in your flesh, a feeling, and a thought will hit your mind, and then it'll connect with a feeling in your flesh. And if you're not, if God isn't first, you're going to go that way. Your unrenewed mind sides with your spiritually dead nature in your flesh and you do a behavior that is contrary to the word of God. And it opens a door to the enemy to steal, kill, and destroy that God doesn't want open. Literally. So when we preach sin to a Christian, we're going to talk about, listen, sin, here's the reality of sin. You were crucified with Christ. Right? When he died, died to sin, died for your sin, you, sin was done in your life. You were buried with him in baptism. You were raised to newness of life. When he came out of the grave, you came out of the grave. And you are now seated with him in heavenly places, and sin will not dominate you anymore. It's been broken. It's not even who you are. So what you do is not really who you are. God wants what you do to be who you are. He wants who you are on the inside to show on the outside. You know, why do we have problems in the church? If you want to know why, it's really simple. All we each have to do to see the biggest potential problem in any church is go look in the mirror. Because we all have the potential, starting with me. If I could, the Bible says don't yield your flesh to be a weapon of unrighteousness. You have to yield your flesh to be a weapon of righteousness. So here's an example. So there's some of you that the Lord has led you here from another church. Do you know Jesus loves the church? He loves the local church. If you don't believe me, read the first three books in the book of Revelation. When he, I mean, it's amazing. And so somebody, for whatever reason, they're led to go to another church. And what will they do? They get all excited, right? I mean, I'm Jesus Christ in the flesh. Every, I mean, it's wonderful. And the, the worship. And then what do they do? It's like when you go to a movie, right? And you see a movie that really impacted your life. You want to tell everybody about it. So who do you know? Well, you know people from your, the church you came out of. Now, why should you own, what's the only reason? There's only one reason why you should ever do anything as a Christian. It's because the Holy Spirit's leading you. Not because you don't like what the pastor did or don't like the color of the carpet or, you know, there's just crazy stuff. So what happens is Sister Sally, you know, calls you up, your best friend from your other church, and oh, you're on the phone for 15 minutes telling her how awesome 
Faith Family Church is. You're yielding your flesh to be a weapon of unrighteousness. Because just because Jesus led you to here doesn't mean that Sister Sally and her family needs to come here. And you're thinking, well, that's kind of, I've never really, no, 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 that's, that's weapon of unrighteousness. I wonder, the phrase, I wonder why, and then you could fill in the blank, blank. I wonder why Mark Mason has his worship team do that, weapon of unrighteousness. I wonder why the pastor does what he does, weapon of unrighteousness. Right? I, you know, I could never be on the worship team because, you know, I just don't want to be seen in front of people. False humility, weapon of unrighteousness. Does that make sense? See, what happens as you walk with the Lord, you realize that man in my flesh, I've got this self-centered, selfish nature, and I'm never going to allow it to operate. And so when I preach sin, to Christians, I'm talking about a behavior. I'm not talking about nature. Now, if you're sitting here and you don't know God, you've never, you've never said, okay, I'm choosing to believe, Jesus, that you are Lord of all, and now I'm going to act on that belief, and I'm actually going to literally speak out of my mouth and act, put action to my faith. Jesus, not only are you Lord of all, but now you're my Lord Come into my heart. I give you my life. If you've never done that, then here's sin to you. Sin is not something you do. It's Sin is flowing out of spiritual death that you are. We all were that way. Every person who's ever been born. These kids grow up, they're alive to God, but all of a sudden they reach an age where they know that sin is sin, and then, as Paul said, sin, at a certain age, we call it the age of accountability, sin revives, and that child dies spiritually. If you, if you look at little kids, it's amazing. I mean, it, it's hilarious when ladies are pregnant in our church. I will walk close to them when I'm preaching, and the little baby inside of them will start moving. Because in there, they're alive. And their spirit is receiving. It's crazy. And so after they're born and they come forth, it's hilarious. They'll be, you know, there's this brand new little baby laying there, probably asleep. As they get a little where where they're not asleep all the time, if they ever wake up, and you know, they're they're locked in to a a little chair, right? They love that for a while because they've been in a womb. So... So they're there, and, and, and I'll be talking in the hall, and I've been told I kind of have a big mouth, that my voice just, right? So they will hear the voice, that, and, and you see these little guys, they're like, they're trying to see me. It's because they're alive. Why does Satan come at kids so much? He wants to lower that age of accountability. We have kids now in fifth grade that are sexually active. They're committing suicide. They're getting addicted to things. What is that for? It, it's, see, this whole world, it is all about the souls of men. 
And I got to tell you, we win. We win. So, so when I preach sin to an unbeliever, here is the message of sin to an unbeliever. It's called the gospel. Right? Hey, I've got good news for you. God loves you so much that he sent his son to die in your place for all sin. He died, he bore all your sin 2,000 years ago. He bore all sickness, he bore all disease, he bore all your poverty and lack. He bore everything that was a result of sin for you. And now, with a heart full of love, Right now in the church age, there's nothing separating you from him. Your sin is not separating you from him because he took care of it. So now you, the gospel is, Jesus took your place. He loves you, so receive him and be made new. That's, that's how we preach sin to an unbeliever. And if you don't know God today, that, that's the message. Now, here's the thing. People can choose. And everybody thinks, well, you know, I, I, I really, you know, I believe that God's really God, but I don't really want to give him my life, so I'll just, I'm just going to kind of stay in this area. Or, or I'm an atheist, and I don't even believe that's true. Or I'm an agnostic, I don't even believe that's true. But it's really just an excuse, and it's a deception of the enemy, but they're choosing not to believe. And, and so there's no middle ground here. Listen, I don't care who a person is, what they've done, what, what the world would call the worst of the worst. God calls the press it. All of us could go like that. All of us. God calls them the precious fruit of the earth. And guys, the harvest was ripe 2,000 years ago. Jesus said it. How ripe is it today? Today you tell people about Jesus, they don't even know. Well, who is Jesus? Because they're not growing up in church anymore. But I got to tell you, it's latter rain time. I don't know about you, I am so glad that God never gives up on me. I can't say gave up on me. He never, present tense, gives up on me. So man, whenever I move in a way that I shouldn't, I run back to him because I know who he is. So, so, so I said all that now, turn to Romans chapter 1 because we are talking about how that God's righteousness is of faith. We need to talk about this. God's righteousness, which is of faith. Romans chapter 1, we're going to look at verse 16 and 17. We looked at it a little bit last week. I want to like launch off from here this week. Verse 16, Paul writing to the church at Rome says, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. In other words, I am not ashamed of the gospel of the anointed one and his anointing. For it... The gospel of Christ is the power of God unto salvation. So in other words, within the gospel of Christ is God's power 
which will produce salvation. So the word salvation is the Greek word soterier. S-O-T-E-R-I-E-R. It doesn't mean going to heaven only. It means to rescue, to deliver. It means to heal. It means to make safe, to make whole. It means to prosper. So the gospel of Christ has within it the power of God to rescue a person, to deliver a person, to heal a person, right? His power was present to heal, to literally make them safe. If you ever get in a situation, your salvation has within it the power to make you safe, to make you whole, to prosper you. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation, but here's the disclaimer, to everyone who believes. So it's not the power of God to salvation to everyone. It can be, but you've got to believe it. Now this word believe, literally, we know from other scriptures... It's we believe it in our heart and then we act on it. So as we believe and as we act on it, right, then it has the power to do something in our lives. To the Jew first and also to the Greek. The Greek would be everybody else who's not a Jew, so it includes all of us. Verse 17, for therein, therein what? In the righteousness of God, therein, or I should say it this way, therein, in the gospel of Christ, in the gospel of Christ, is the righteousness of God revealed. So you and I, according to 2 Corinthians 5, have been made the righteousness of God in Christ. How is that righteousness going to be revealed to you? And revealed in your life, it tells us right here. It is revealed as we believe and act upon the gospel of Christ. As we act upon it. Therein is the righteousness of God revealed. How is it revealed? From faith to faith. As it is written, the just. See, the just this means the justified ones. This means the ones that have been made righteous shall live by faith. And as they live by faith, believing the word and acting upon the word, as they walk, they will literally experience their righteousness. They will walk because I'm righteous, I'm rescued. Because I'm righteous, I'm delivered. Because I'm righteous, I have a right to be healed. Because I'm righteous, or I should say it correctly, because I'm righteous, I am the healed. I am the rescued. I am the delivered. Not going to be. I already am. Got to get the tense right. 
Well, how can, now come on, pastor, are you kidding me? I sure don't feel that way. Well, this is what the Bible says, that you've been blessed with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. You have been given everything already that pertains to life and godliness. So this tells me as I walk by faith, I am the rescued. I am the delivered. I am the healed. I am the safe. I am the rescued. I am the prosperous. you got to believe that. Righteousness is not a thing. Righteousness is who you are, and who you are reveals righteousness, that it's not this thing, it's a position. You have been declared righteous and made righteous by your Father. And you have to know that. This is the foundation of your Christian walk. If you don't understand this, you'll never be able to lay hold on all the finished work of Christ, which is literally the grace of God. You have to understand this. This is why we teach the Word here. Because you've got to know how this works. You have to know. God made this position available to us. How? Through our union with Jesus Christ in redemption. So now, this is what happens. As we grow, we said this last week, as I grow in my knowledge of God's word, as I'm a doer of it, I become more aware of my position of righteousness and all that that means. And what happens is now you go from why is this happening to me to I am not going to allow this in my life anymore. Something happens in my life in an incident and in the natural, it could feel scary. It could feel like, man, this is bad. I don't know what I'm going to do. But your spirit man will rise up and go, no, I reject that. People in the world will go, what do you mean you reject it? You need $3,000 and you have a penny. And the due date's tomorrow. And you're like, yeah, no, I, no I'm righteous. I, I don't accept that. But when I wait, you have stage four pancreatic cancer. You have to die. No. No. I have a different, I've, I have a different, I, I have a different um, record. Here, here's my MRI. It, it supersedes the MRI that, that showed me that. This one says the power of God is available. I am already the healed. And as I walk around as a doer of the word, I will become more aware that I am the righteousness of God in Christ. And what happens is it causes what God's already given you to rule in your life until you see it in this realm. Whatever God has you doing in the earth for work, listen, you're in full-time ministry. This is why a lot of people's lives never work because they think they're working full-time and maybe at best they can kind of do some stuff in their church in part-time ministry. Nope. You're in full-time ministry. You are a minister of the gospel called and ordained and chosen by God and will give an account for all your fruit when you stand before him. You're disguised as different things. But no matter what you're doing, 
God says, you're the righteous, so I want to make you, not you make you, I want to make you the head and not the tail. I have a friend in California, as a young man, man, they had nothing, living with his wife's parents. He went to work for the Equitable Life Insurance Company. The Lord, the Lord told him, said, hey, Mark, let me teach you how to build this. And Mark, who, doer of the word, year after year, speak in the word, believe in the word, living by faith, became the number one equitable life insurance agent in the world, led the CEO of Equitable years and years ago to Christ, was making a seven-figure income. That's over a million dollars a year back in the early 80s. I mean, just blessed, I have no idea now. We see him every time we go back to California, just at church. You know, just, but, but what is that? God just made him the head, not the tail. But you could say, well, you know, he must be a really talented guy. Oh, yeah, so what? Because you talk to other top people in their field, and if God's not first, man, they're stressed, they're toiling, it's taking a toll on them physically, they're losing their family, they're, you know, no, no, God wants, he, let him make you the head. He, he never, he doesn't want you to exalt yourself, he loves exalting you. So if you're sitting here today going, yeah, but I don't have the education, I don't have this. Listen, here's the thing about God. He will meet you right where you are, and you just follow him. And he will lead you to be the head and not the tail. And Satan will tell you, well, you need this to be successful, and you need that. And No, no, forget about all he says. What is God saying? This is what God will say to you. What you need to do is seek me first. Seek first my kingdom. Become all about the kingdom. Right? Brian Houston, the head of the whole Hillsong thing, made a statement. It's, it still echoes in my spirit. I suggest you find a good local church and you give yourself to it and your life will never be the same. It'll change every arena of your life. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness which will be revealed to you from faith to faith, right? As you're a doer of the word. Just, just let him work it out. You'll become more aware of who you are. Your life will never be the same. He'll make you the head, not the tail. You'll be above only and not beneath. You'll, he'll rescue you. He'll deliver you. He'll heal you. Because see, now all these things that he's already done will reign in your life. It's really cool. It's a wonderful way to live. But here's the thing. Why are Christians in bondage? Here's the reason. It's a lack of knowing about the fact that they've been made righteous. A sin consciousness will cause you to see everything wrong. But when you're conscious, see, when you're conscious that you've been made the righteousness of God in Christ and you're walking around all day, every day, Father, I thank you that I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. Whenever I pray, you always hear me. And you all, your answer is always yes. And I know you're with me right now in this battle. And I know I've already won this battle because you won it for me. And I know I'm going to come out of this thing okay. And so I just thank you and I'm at rest. It's the way you're supposed to live in every arena of your life. So if you, but you'll live in bondage if you don't know 
about righteousness. You won't understand the whole Pauline epistle, all those epistles, Romans, right? You won't understand 1st and 2nd Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. You won't understand them because they teach you about that you've been made the righteousness of God. In other words, the key to understanding all the things of God is you have to understand your position with Him. And guys, I'm looking out at a bunch of wonderful people right now. Get ready because God is going to use us to do a lifetime of ministry in probably a few years. I think we could be that close. So get ready. But even if we're not, life is a vapor at best. It goes so fast. And God wants you to experience Zoe life, eternal life. He wants you to experience days of heaven on the earth. You are to live as an ambassador for Christ. You are not governed by the financial uh, e economy of this world. You're governed by the financially economy, financial economy of heaven. You're not governed by the natural physical laws of this earth that say three out of four people are going to get cancer. You don't have to be governed by that. Even though your body is subject to sickness and disease and there's an enemy that operates illegally, you can take authority over him and walk free from it. Not getting healed, you are the healed. And, but as you walk around saying, I am the righteousness of God in Christ, as you know who you are, the healing that has already been provided, that's already in you, will literally rule in your physical body and cause sickness and disease. It'll drive it out of your body until you're sickness and disease and pain-free. Same with poverty and lack. Same with depression, anxiety, fear, all these things. God wants it all out of your life. All of a sudden, you're living with all things are possible. This is why we just don't teach on what God's done for you. We spend a lot of time teaching about what God's done in you. Because when you see it, see, I'm really, really believing God for a culture. I, I want a culture to be so thick in this church to where everywhere when you wake up, your first thought is, I've got to tell somebody about Jesus. This is too good to keep to myself. I've been given life, and I, I have to tell somebody else that they've been given life too. A culture to where we're reaching people and then getting them in here so that we can grow them up in the Word so that they could be equipped to walk out God's glorious path for their life. We teach about what Jesus has done in, in us. So realize what we've been talking about is righteousness, or righteous is who you are. It's who you are. You are a spirit man that has been made the righteousness of God. Your spirit man is dripping with the agape, unconditional love of God. It is filled with the zoe life of God. And you live, or you possess a soul that your mind and your will and your emotions, that did not change its salvation other than the fact that you were given the mind of Christ. So now you can comprehend spiritual things as the Holy Spirit reveals them to you because you don't learn them outward, you learn them inside. You see clearer. You can see in the natural realm with your eyes, 
but with the eyes of your spirit, you see. But that's called discernment. You see the word of God on the inside. You see things on the inside. See, that's how we live. So as we do this, as we walk this out, holiness flows out of righteousness. Holiness is my lifestyle. See, why right now we have multitudes and multitudes of people that will sit in church and say, well, I'm a Christian. And, and there's no difference in their life at all. It's because one of two things. It's so watered down that did they really get saved? We can't tell because a carnal Christian, a flesh-ruled Christian will look a lot like somebody who doesn't even know God. We know this Jesus said of our time, in that day, multitudes will stand before me and say, Lord, Lord, I did this, I did that, I did, right? And he's going to look at him and go, he's not going to say, well, I knew you, but then you walked away. He's gonna, he said, no, 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 I, I never knew you. I never knew you intimately. But for many Christians, their lifestyle is different. It's, it's no different than the world. They're still bound by the same sin habits. They're still doing the same things. They live the same lifestyle. And you know, they'll get mad at you if you ever try to even, even uh, say that what they're doing is wrong. Right. Which, should you ever say that what someone's doing is wrong? No. Unless they're your children. Right. But then you should do it in love. Right. I don't know about you. I have no time to tell other people what's wrong in their life because I, I want to keep myself right. right? Right? So, but here's the thing. They just don't know that they're righteous. That's why. Right now, the reason sometimes, I mean, you got to be really careful in this church today because what is real, what is not. Listen, if you want to know what's real, this is real. This is relevant. This is cutting edge. We still haven't even begun to catch up with this. Even though we have seminaries that are saying, well, we got to tear some of these pages out because they're not relevant to us anymore. No, 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 no. You know, I don't think we're ever going to get ahead of God. Right? We flow with Him. But holiness will flow out of righteousness. In Isaiah 64... Verse 4, it says this. It's real interesting. Isaiah 64, 4. Boy, we're learning some stuff today, aren't we? we are. This series is so important. Isaiah 64, 4. As I'm just saying these few words, I could tell the Holy Spirit is depositing, talking to you guys, talking to me about my life, and you talking to you about your life. Man, he loves us, and he's getting us ready. He's, he's preparing us. He's strengthening us. If you come to church tired today, man, don't ever let being tired keep you from church. You know, like what we say around here, if you fall asleep in the service, your spirit will still get it. It's okay. Just as you're falling asleep, go, Lord, I'm hungry. It's all good. So no judgment. If you're sitting in a service and have to go to the bathroom, you know it doesn't bother me at all that you get up. To be honest with you, I don't notice. Right? If babies are screaming, it doesn't bother me. If it bothers you, get over yourself. If you're sitting by somebody that's just making a lot of noise, just move. I know sometimes in charismatic circles, it's like, but pastor, you know, I sit here. 
and, and sometimes you see it, like you walk in and somebody's sitting in your seat and people are like. <laughs> There's advantages to walking in righteousness. You get beyond all that, right? You'll still probably stay ornery a little bit. It says here in Isaiah 64, verse 6, it says, but we all, as an unclean thing, and all our righteousness is as filthy rags. Now, that, that is, back then, women during their cycle would have rags that would soak up their cycle. That's what that's a picture of. That's what a filthy rag he's talking about. In other words, on our best day, that's what our works and, every, and who we are could produce. And we all do fade as a leaf, and our iniquities, like the wind, have taken us away. That's the way we were, guys. Aren't you glad for Jesus? Because that's not how you are today. It's not how you are. And if you want to see how you are, you could. You don't look at your lifestyle. Look at the mirror. Because the Bible says as we peer in to the Word of God, we are changed, we're transformed into His image from glory to glory by the Spirit of God. God's will for your life is that you be a walking representation of Jesus. So now, you know, I've gone way into this, but Romans chapter 1 and Romans chapter 2 talk about the two classes of people that are worthy of the wrath of the judgment of God. They talk about the two classes of people. Chapter 1, he talks about the people that have never received Christ. These are people, the unsaved, but it, it's not just the ones that are unsaved. They have, they're sinners. They have an, a heathenistic lifestyle. Man, they're just a mess. They're not good people many times. All this stuff. That's one class of people that are not saved. Chapter 2 talks about another class of people that are not saved, that are morally upright and very religious but you could be as religious as you want to be and you can't be righteous because righteousness only comes one way. It's the righteousness of God that comes. It comes by faith, through faith. It's of faith. To be made righteous, you can't do anything to be made righteous. You have to believe what he says and act upon that. So now in Romans, go to Romans chapter 3, and I want to take you through Romans a little bit to lay a foundation. I, I, I want to spend some time because we have to break up some of this sin consciousness that could stop you. There are people that should be here today that the reason why they're not is they don't know that they've been made the righteousness of God in Christ. Even though they might be able to quote the scripture, they don't know it. They're not bad people. They're great people. <laughs> They're world-changing people. And I'm telling you, to grow in God, you need an environment of the love of God where it's void of judgment, it's void of, of somebody beating you up, it's, it's where the goodness of God flows because it's the goodness of God that causes us to change our mind, go a different direction. In other words, God's not mad at you today. Romans 
Now we know, so this is something we know, that what things soever the law says, it says to them who are under the law. And it says it for this reason, that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. In other words, God knows of what, he knows what people are saying and what people are doing. And God will bring them to a place where their mouth is stopped. In other words, God desires to bring people to a place to where they stop making excuses. The law in the Old Testament, all those laws and ordinances, and I mean over 490 of them, it's crazy, all of the laws and ordinances that they had to keep. It was not designed to make them righteous. It was designed to show them that you are not righteous by God's standards and you need a Messiah. It was designed to bring them to Christ. But see, now as a New Testament believer, Paul is writing to these Roman Christians and he's saying this, we know that whatever the law is saying, guys, it's not saying it to you Roman Christians. It's saying it to those people that were under the law. He wanted them to know that because he knew these, this group of people that would come behind Paul, these Jews would come behind Paul and go to these Gentile Christians and say, listen, whatever Paul is saying, whatever, if you want to accept some of it, great, but you're still going to have to keep the law. And here's the thing, no, 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 we're not under law. So you're sitting here now in 2020 going, okay, I don't live my life like I'm under law. No, 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 you do. Every time you think that your prayer will be answered because you did something right. You're in a works mentality, you're trying to work for something just like you would work for something under the law. We got to get past all that. Because when you, when you constantly work for something in God, there's no life in it. There's no anointing to do it. Because now, do we work as Christians? Absolutely. But we don't work for anything. We just work out our own salvation. We work out what God's working in. So I don't pray because I got to be a good Christian and be accepted. No, no, I pray because God energizes me and I fellowship with him and I walk with him. I'm just working out. I'm not doing it to get him to heal my body. You can't do anything to get God to heal you or bless you financially because he's already done it. And when you know who you are, man, you'll be positioned to know how to lay hold of it. You gotta, we got to learn how to take things off the table because we're all sitting at this banquet table with all the money, all the healing, all the provision, all the people that we need, all everything we need to fulfill the plan of God, it's right there. But we gotta, we gotta learn how to lay hold of it, but you can't lay hold of it if you're sitting at the table going, you know, really, I'm an outsider. I don't, I don't really deserve even to be here, right? Or you're this bold person, well, I'm all that, and I can just live my life and do my own thing. See, what happens to you then is you're not even at the table. You're, you're, you're somewhere else, 
and you're, you're, you're picking stuff up and you're eating wrong things and you're walking in wrong things, you're clueless because you're not seeing some things. Romans chapter 3, verse 20. Let's look at verse 20. Therefore, by the deeds of the law shall no flesh be justified in his sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. God gave man the law so they could go, oh my gosh, I'm guilty before God. If they didn't give him the law, how would you know? Right? It says, therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. In other words, the law was supposed to show us that we needed a Savior. Verse 21. But now, what does that mean? Now that Jesus came, the righteousness of God... Notice it says, but now, now that Jesus came, the righteousness of God, not their righteousness, the righteousness of God without the law, or in the Greek language it would say, apart, the righteousness of God apart from or separated from the law is manifested. Notice, the righteousness of God is manifested apart or separate from the law. If you're trying to walk by law, the righteousness of God will never be manifested. You'll never know you're righteous. You'll never know anything about it. You'll be a lowly worm that, thank God he saved me, but I'm not worth anything. But it says the righteousness of God, apart from, without the law, separated from the law, is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Verse 21 is making a shift. It's it's making a shift from the wrath and judgment of God to the righteousness of God. So now this verse means, this is what this verse means, now the righteousness of God is manifested because of Jesus' work of redemption, which was apart from the law. His work actually fulfilled the law. In other words, now it's a whole new day. You don't have to earn it. Verse 22. Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ. In other words, to be made righteous, you're going to have to have the the faith of God. The faith which comes by Jesus. How does it come? By hearing the word. That's why, God, that's why the enemy doesn't want you telling anybody about Jesus. Because they can't hear if somebody's not sent. But you're, you're equipped to, for this message. Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ, unto all and upon all them that believe. Hmm. It's upon all and it's to all, again the disclaimer, unto them that believe. It won't do somebody any good who doesn't believe. Right? For there is no difference. The literal meaning of verse 22 in the Greek would be, even the righteousness of God, which is through faith in his blood. 
See, this, this, this letter was written to primarily a Gentile church. These Gentile Christians had to overcome what they had heard that they could not have what the Jews had. And Paul knew that. And Paul is saying, guys, it's a new day now. You don't have to... You, see, the Jewish people were like, hey, God gave us the law. We're his special people. We don't, you know, and everybody else. This is why, you know why Jesus called the Syrophoenician woman a dog? Well, that was the slang term for everybody who wasn't a Jew. Because the Jews were to be given the law. They were to be given the message of the law to take to the world and show the world that this is for everybody. This is for everybody. That we need a Messiah to save us from this. This is not just for us, but what did the Jews do? They made it a religion. And they said, oh, we're God's chosen. And at the, at the court case of Jesus, where they said, give us Barabbas and crucify the, crucify the master, it changed. And now it was given to the Gentiles. But there's going to be seven years in Daniel's 70th year prophecy that is yet to be fulfilled. It's called the seven-year tribulation period. The purpose of that is God owes the Jews one more week. Now, it's not going to be a fun week. But it's going to be a week where the goal of it is that the Jewish people can be reached. Even though during this Gentile time, see, God gave it to the Gentiles, and even the book of Romans says, and it's going to make the Jews jealous so that they'll come, so that they know they can have it too. So there's a lot of Jewish people getting saved now, but wait till the tribulation period. Now, the good news about the tribulation period, if you're a child of God, we're going to be in the nosebleed section. Thank goodness. In heaven going, wow. At one point, we're just going to be, I mean, could you imagine? At one point, it's going to be so bad that every Christian in heaven, it, there, nobody will talk for 30 minutes. That's, that's like the greatest miracle of all time. That's, I mean, we'll all just be going. Yeah, yeah. Although I talk more than most of them, so I will just, you know. So it says this, these Gentile Christians had to overcome something that they could not have what the Jews had. You're going to have to overcome the fact that you got to earn something. This has been given to you. It's a gift. Verse 23 says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. This means that there is no difference because everyone has sinned, everyone's come short of the glory of God, but the resurrection completed God's plan to be able to have God dwell with man. Man's sin separated him from God, and therefore he could not know God, but Jesus' work now removed that during this church age. Verse 24, being justified freely... This means without charge or effort. I've been justified freely. It didn't cost me anything, and it's without effort. It was no effort. I came to him as I was, and he made me like he is. No effort. I didn't have to, I didn't have to work and toil and climb the highest mountain and overcome this. Nope, I simply had to believe it. Wow. Isn't that amazing? I was justified freely, how? 
by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. See, this message enraged the Jews. That's why they always wanted to kill Paul. In other words, now your faith makes you righteous, not your actions. That's so good, we got to say it again. Your faith makes you righteous, not your actions. Hallelujah. I love that. Now if you do any righteous acts, you're righteous. Now if you do any unrighteous acts, you're still righteous. Now that's no way to live, because Paul had to go. Now, now does that mean I'm giving you a license to sin? He says, no, God forbid. God doesn't want you for that. He doesn't want you to live in that. A revelation of this will make you free from sin. I love this. Hallelujah. Boy, there's so much. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hmm. You know, i got to read verse 27. <laughs> Since we're a Word of Faith church, i got to read this. Verse 27. Where, where is boasting then? There is none. It is excluded. Is boasting excluded by what law? Of works? No, 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 no. By the law or the principle of faith. No boasting. Therefore, verse 28, we could conclude that a man is justified by faith without that means apart from or separated from the deeds of the law. Isn't that amazing? See, we look at chapter 3 of Romans and say it's teaching us about sin. No, Paul is instructing them in righteousness. Because we focus on sin, we know all about sin, but few know about righteousness. If I act on my right standing with God, I will be far from oppression because I will not fear and from terror because it will not come near me. Right? No weapon that's formed against me as a righteous child of God will prosper and every tongue, including mine, that rises against me in judgment, I will condemn that tongue. Because my righteousness is not of me. It's of Him. It's of my Father who is with me. So now, I'll leave you with this. Whatever you can see, whatever you can see in His Word, you can have. It's already yours. And you can have it in your life. Whatever you can see you can have. Isn't that amazing? So what do you need today? Whatever you can see, you could have. So put his word first place. You'll get to know who he is. As you get to know who he is, you'll get to know who you are. And it'll make you free in every arena of your life. See, you've already been made free, but you'll see it out here. Oh, what a great life.